ESPN Live line is our great friend Bill Jones, the Dean of Broadcasters in Dallas. Television broadcasters, a longtime Dallas resident. He matriculated. That means he went to Oklahoma for you Aggies out there. Uh, and he will be he will be there tomorrow when the Cowboys and Jaguars play. Four o'clock, you can hear the game here on ESPN. Uh, William, welcome back to the radio station. I trust you've had a really, really good summer. Uh, it's been all right. It's a little little hotter than what we'd like, but it's been summer for sure. Yeah. It has been summer for doing? sure. Uh, we're doing really, really good. Joined by my son, Ben, this afternoon. Uh, all right. A little family affair here. Let me just ask you, what do the Cowboys want to accomplish in their first preseason game? Ben and I talked about uh, Mike McCarthy calling plays. It, it's a little different calling players in a game situation, plays in a game situation versus just a practice. Your thoughts, is that the biggest hurdle the Cowboys have to have to deal with tomorrow? Well, um, the number one thing is come out of the game without any injuries. And uh, secondly, of course, it's they're not going to have – for the most part, any of the first teamers out there. So, um, yeah, I guess from a mechanical standpoint, whatever, uh, they, they want to, what the, what the coaches call a clean operation. Um, but, um, you know, I think that, uh, uh, main thing they're looking for, I think tomorrow though, is, uh, some of these young guys step up and claim backup roles on this scene. And uh, I think what I hear, Jacksonville is going to go ahead and play their starters a little mm-hmm. bit. So it'll be a good little test for the the second teamers for the Cowboys in the first quarter of the game. A little known fact here, you can use this on the broadcast tomorrow. Ben Clements used to throw passes to Jacksonville wide receiver Zay Jones mm-hmm. when they were at Austin High School. Oh, all right. I, I may use that. Yeah. If Zay uh, gets in the game, I think, I, I think they're going to play the starters. So if they do, then Zay should be out there. Uh, the Bill, son of Robert Jones, former yep. Cowboys mm-hmm. middle linebacker. Yeah, yep. Uh, Bill, like you said, this is a good time for for the younger guys, the newer faces, to to get acclimated to the NFL life. Um, Stephon Gilmore is a new face of the Cowboys on the defensive side, but you know I, I doubt we'll be seeing much of him. Uh, one guy that I'm excited to see is Deuce Vaughn, the little running back that could from Kansas State, who right now is listed as the third stringer for the Cowboys behind Tony Pollard. Um, who are the fresh faces of the Cowboys that you're interested in seeing tomorrow? That one right there yeah. is number one. As soon as they drafted uh, Deuce in the sixth round, uh, I was like, okay, there's your star of the preseason right there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think he's going to be more than that on this team this year. I think they, they've got a plan on how to use him. And it, uh, we'll, we'll see him in the preseason games because he's a rookie and get acclimated and so forth. But just I was out in Oxnard for a couple of weeks, and you know they've got they've got a plan to use him, uh, you know, as a satellite back. You know, like uh, now that's it's an issue with a five-five guy trying to protect the quarterback uh, as a pass blocker. But I think they had him running in the slot a little bit. They had him uh, all over the offense. And the other interesting thing about it, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator, he was with the Chargers when Darren Sproles got into the league. And uh, it's a natural comparison, Vaughn and Sproles, both of them being from Kansas State, uh, both 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, uh, but, you know, Deuce, he's put together. I mean, he's got some almost Robert Newhouse-type thighs on him. And uh, so I, I think he, I think he'll hold up, too. I think, uh, you know, in third-down situations, he can run between the tackles, too.
How do you think the, the Cowboys running back schemes will change after last season with with Zeke and Tony Pollard being a great one-two punch, almost a a lightning a lightning thunder uh, running back room. Now with with Tony Pollard being the lead back, Malik Davis, Ronald Jones, who won't be playing probably tomorrow night, then and Deuce Vaughn. What will be the biggest difference you see in their uh, in their schemes this season? Uh, and the other guy in that mix is Rico Dowdle, mm-hmm. who played at South Carolina and he's been injured. He was hurt some last year. He uh, the thing that I think they're really missing is uh, the bigger back that can run between the tackles down the goal line. The mm-hmm. Cowboys were first in the league in red zone offense last year, and even though Zeke has his critics, he did score 12 touchdowns down there. Mm-hmm. And they've got to find somebody who can be that uh, quote-unquote thunder to, to Pollard's lightning. And, and Dowdle is a bigger – he's listed at 218 pounds – so I'm, I'll be intrigued just to see what he can do uh, and if he can stay healthy through the preseason. I haven't closed the book on uh, Zeke even coming back to the Cowboys once they get through the preseason and see how things shake out. Really? They, I think that's the, the one thing that they, um, that they need is a, a second back and to go along with them. They'd, they'd love to see one of these guys step up. Uh, you know, Malik Davis is a 205-pounder, so he's he's a smaller back. He can he can run inside, but Dowdle's the one that I'm interested in seeing to see if he can do some of the things that Zeke uh, could do. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think the door's closed on Zeke at all. What what's your take on the running back situation and all the the salaries and the brouhaha? I saw Earl Campbell this week at Dirty Martin's place, the hamburger place on campus, and we yeah. talked about it and. It's it's mind-boggling to me that they are not putting a premium on running backs. And when we were younger, Bill, that was that was the position. Yep, and I wouldn't be surprised if it comes back around. You know, where they they start putting more of a emphasis on it. I think they'll, they'll take a couple of years and realize that um, now. Now, where you got to where I. I, I never had a quarrel with them taking Zeke with the fourth pick in the draft. It's I and I don't have, don't have a problem with Bijan Robinson being a top ten pick. Jameer Gibbs as high as the Lions had him. He went twelfth or thirteenth. Uh, you want to get the most out of your running backs in the fir- their first contract, and so from that standpoint, um, throw the first round money at them. I mean, and understand that you're only going to have them for five years and we'll see where it goes from there. But um, I think it, I value, I, I'm like you, I think the running back position is mm. an important one. And, um, you know, it, you just have to use multiple running backs. And so when they get to their second contract, um, you know, that that's the issue for them. It's like middle linebackers. You don't see middle linebackers. It's such a physically demanding position that um, it's very difficult for a middle linebacker. Everyone was so critical of Sean Lee getting hurt all the time. Well, you look at linebackers all over the league. They Inside linebackers get hurt all the time. And, uh, you know, Bobby Wagner is a rarity, a guy sure. who can play for 13 or 14 years and, and not get hurt. Uh, and so, and Leighton Vanderesh is seeing that on the free agent market where these middle linebackers typically – they don't get more than you know a one or two year deal at about six, seven, eight million dollars a year. Even the really good ones. Bill Jones with us. He'll be on the call tomorrow for CBS Dallas Cowboys and Jaguars. You can hear the game with Brad Cham and Babe at one hundred two seven ESPN. 
What about Zach Martin? What's the latest on Zach Martin's situation, and who's gonna who's gonna blink first in that situation? I think Jerry's gonna blink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't you know? You know, uh, actually, uh, Dak and CD Lamb and Zach Martin are on the cover of the media guide, and uh, yeah, they do they do still produce media guides even in this digital era. Uh, but Zach looks like he is so mad. He's got his helmet on, and he doesn't have a smile on his face. And I, th- I don't think he's had a smile on his face all summer. And it, every time Jerry opens his mouth, he, he gets madder and madder, I think. And it's going to come to a point when you're getting fined $50,000 a day, and it, it's not like they uh, you know, can say at the end of it, I mean, that the that's part of the collective bargaining agreement. They have to pay the $50,000 a day. So it's getting to a point where they have to redo his contract in order for him to come back in the door. And so it's, I think his contract's going to be redone in some form or fashion. And, um, but I think it's probably going to go all the way right to the week before the regular season starts. Play calling, clock management were both issues last season for the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy taking the helm as the play caller for the offense, what are your expectations for tomorrow and the upcoming season with him at the helm? Yeah, and more so the season. Uh, I think that uh, I like Brian Schottenheimer. I like the fact that McCarthy is now in control of things as far as what he wants to do with his offense. Uh, as the famous quote from McCarthy back at the owners' meetings in March, he's interested in winning games, not lighting up the scoreboard. And I think uh, that there was probably a philosophical uh, distance between uh, of some sorts between Kellen Moore and McCarthy, but McCarthy knew being a play caller himself, he had to give him a leash to call his own game. And so I think it got to a point with the interceptions that Dak had last year, forcing the issue on certain things that McCarthy said, Hey, I got to take control of this. And I think, and I think Kellen Moore will do fine with the chargers too. Uh, it's just sort of a philosophical difference, I think, that they have. And so, and now, uh, the, the burden is on McCarthy. He's, you know, whether you call it pressure or what, you know, they've coming off two straight 12 win seasons in the regular season. First time since the nineties, they were able to do that, but they haven't done anything in the playoffs. And so McCarthy is taking it on himself to try to get them over that hump now. How much pressure is it on Dak Prescott? I think um, I think there is pressure, but I think it's no more pressure than what he's had throughout his career. And I think he relish. I think he he legitimately does relish the pressure. I think he really likes it. And it, but think about it: you're making forty million dollars a year. How much pressure is there really? He's making he's making your money. You know what I mean? He's making big time Dallas TV money. I mean, Bill, if if the Cowboys don't have a playoff run this season. Is it time for the Cowboys to get rid of Dak Prescott, or will who will get the boot first, McCarthy or Dak Prescott? Uh, McCarthy would, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's a contractual thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Dak's got, including this year, he's got two years left on his deal, and he's they've redone it. Who knows what? Uh, you know, if even if a year from now they decided to go in a different direction, who knows how much dead money is on their cap from how they've you know redone his contract is to sign other people here the last couple of years. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. I went to OU. Uh, and so I think that, 
the coach is the one that always goes because of the the salary cap ramifications for the player. But you know, if it if they don't have a good year, if Dak doesn't have a good year, then you're going to see them uh, bringing a young guy in and try to at least be grooming him to be Dak's replacement. You spoke of OU. There was a young man on the Cowboys now, a rookie who had a good game against your Sooners last year, Namarvian Overshone. Uh, do you expect to see a lot of I him? I don't recall demol- that game. Yeah, you, I don't remember that game. <laughs> you don't remember that game, do you, Pods? Uh, <laughs> do you, what What are your thoughts on uh, Overshone, Demarvian, and is he going to get a place on this team? I know it's a big day for him tomorrow. I, I believe he's going to do a lot of special team stuff. But what's your overall view, and what's Dallas's thoughts on uh, Overshone? I love that guy. Man, what a great uh, personality. What a great uh energy level he's got he's a man uh how can you not love love and his story coming from little arc texas and east texas and population 926 he's got a joyful uh um expression on his face all the time he loves but more than anything what where dan quinn loves it he loves the game of football you can tell and he's he's going to be a guy number 35 is what he's wearing with the cowboys uh, he'll be a guy I'll be watching uh, throughout the game. And he's got a real spot for him, too. Um, you know, they lost Luke Gifford in free agency. He was a backup linebacker. And so he'll be on all the special teams. And then in these preseason games, he'll be in there playing linebacker. Uh, and on down the road, you know, they don't want to give a rookie too much, but on down the road, as as you know, watching him at Texas, he can do a lot of different things. You know, that's something they're doing a little bit with Leighton Vanderesh hmm. in training camp is they're rushing him off the edge a little bit. Hmm. Uh, and so I can see them um, doing some of that with Overshone as he grows in his career. But he's a he's a keeper. That guy's going to be around for a while. Let's challenge Ben Clements. Ben Clements, who's the most famous 35 in Dallas Cowboy history? Go! <laughs> Who is it, Ben? Who is Don't it? Don't embarrass me. Um... You, you you won't get it. I'm not gonna get it. Is this some old white guy? No, it's you some old some old some old black guy. Calvin Hill, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know his son, Grand Hill. Grand Hill. Oh, that's, I thought it was gonna be somebody from like the fifties. No, he's he no cowboys weren't around enough. the fifties. No, <laughs> it was a great Calvin Hill. Yeah. Calvin Hill. Uh, Grand Hill's father. Hill. Grand Hill's Grand father. Hill. Yeah, the basketball player. Yes, Grand Hill? that guy. No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Now you had a hey, question. Wait, yeah, wait, Bill. Real quick, I want to switch gears. You're an Oklahoma guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're a Sooner. No, he's not, a good Oklahoma Sooner. Yes, we're in Austin. You know, <laughs> you know how this works. But Oklahoma not coming off coming off of a not so great season. We've been talking coaches polls, and they've gotten the benefit of the doubt. Nineteen in the coaches poll. Bill, what did they pay each coach to give him that spot? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the coaches really don't pay attention to what's going on, mm-hmm. do they? No, right. No. And so it was on name only. But I will give you this. How about this? The la- What happened the last time Oklahoma, I think they were ranked 20th in the country with a second-year head coach and a left-handed starting quarterback that transferred in. What happened then? What happened? That was the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. And they they won a national championship. Not saying it's going to happen. Yeah. What was that quarterback? White? The, what was his name? <laughs> that, no, it was Josh Heupel. He's Josh, Josh Heupel. Tennessee. Tennessee. Jason coach. White was after him. Yeah. Oh, Jason White was after him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, okay. Okay. Yeah. A lot has to happen for that to, to 
yes, come true. Yes. But you heard it here first. Okay. Right. Well, we have high hopes for your South Lake neighbor there named Quinn Ewers, uh, who yes, many have I do too. penciled in as high. Said, ben, you don't know this because uh, Bill was a guy who told us a long time ago that Quinn was coming to Texas. Remember mm-hmm. that day? Yeah, that was after he had uh, signed with Ohio State. I wow. said, he's coming to Texas. You watch. Yeah, he did. <laughs> hey, uh, have a have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks for being with us. Best to your family. Hope to see you soon. But uh, hope springs eternal once again for the Dallas Cowboys, a team that both of us have watched since probably 1960 with the great Eddie LeBaron. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't really watching then, but a little shortly after that. Once they started winning games, I started watching. Okay, Bill, have a great show tomorrow. Thanks so much, Bill. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Ed and Ben. Bill, good talking to you. Thank you. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bill Jones, uh, CBS Dallas. He'll be on the call tomorrow on television uh, for the Dallas Cowboys and the Jacksonville Jaguars kickoff at 4 o'clock, a game you can hear right here on 1027 ESPN with our friend Brad Sham on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Uh, Coming up at 5 o'clock, Sonny Dykes, the head football coach at TCU. This is 1027 ESPN. For the rest of the evening here on 1027 ESPN, our next guest, Coach of the Year, not only in the Big 12, but Coach of the Year nationally, our friend Sonny Dykes, the head football coach of the TCU Horned Frogs, who open up the season September 2nd at home against Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. Sonny, welcome back to ESPN Austin. Give our listeners an idea. How's everything going in your preseason workouts in hot Fort Worth as it is in hot in Austin, too? Yeah, it is. It is plenty hot. Um, yeah, things are going well. We're actually enjoying a day off today. Um, we've we've had eight practices. Um, you know, you get 25 before the first game, and so we're taking a little bit of break. Uh, it's been a good start to camp so far. Really encouraged by what I've seen. We got a number of guys coming back defensively and a lot of new faces on offense, but I think things are starting to come together pretty well, and you know, I like the team, uh, the makeup of the team. I like our mentality. Uh, there's a there's a grittiness about this group, and uh, so I'm I'm excited about you know moving on and, and continuing to practice and getting through fall camp and and seeing how we play September second. We got a lot of work to do, but I'm I'm excited about what I've seen so far. Sonny, we talked to Steve Sarkeesian earlier today, and they've been they've been pretty physical in practice, but he's got to got to watch it about the heat. What precautions have you taken about the heat in Fort Worth, and have your workouts been physical? You know, we're a morning practice team, so we're on the practice field, you know, year-round about 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, our guys go out between 7.45 and 8. Uh, you know, we get started early. And so that helps. You know, it's it's high 80s, low 90s uh, when we're practicing there and sometimes works into the mid-90s by the time we finish up. And occasionally we'll split practice and, and go half outside, half inside. You know, there's always a fine line there between, you know, getting your work done, making sure your players are accustomed to the heat, but at the same time, you know, taking care of them. I, I really do believe uh, in some ways, you know, over-practice um, leads to diminishing returns. And, and so you just got to do a good job of, of managing that. There's, Like I said, there's a fine line there between too much work and not enough work and too much too much heat, not enough heat. And, and it has an accumulative effect. I really do believe that. I think if you're, you know, if you're in the heat of the day all the time in, in August, I think, you know, it, it affects your players um, in, in November and December. Sonny, last time I saw you, we were at the Capitol. It was a special day. You were being honored on the House floor for your Coach of the Year honors. That sure was fun, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was, uh, it was an interesting 
interesting day for sure. Got a chance to meet a lot of interesting people and kind of see how the capital works. And, and uh, it was uh, it was one of those days I'll never forget. It was uh, kind of a look into to politics and government. And, and I'm certainly uh, certainly glad I don't go to work there every day. It's <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh, I, I, I got a challenge. You know, I got a challenge in enough job. And those those guys, I, those guys, it's uh, they, they got their work cut out for them. Sonny, with that, you know, with with this new season upon us, do you feel a little bit more pressure after going to the national championship last year? The success you had after not the the, the best expectations and to really overcome that, how do you feel going into the season? You know, what's funny about uh, about TCU. It's kind of one of those those programs that you know it seems like year in year out, people sell them short. It doesn't really matter. You know who the coach was. I know Coach uh, Gary Patterson had a tremendous amount of success here at TCU for a long time, and seemed like they always had uh, to kind of fight their way to, to get people to take them seriously and get some respect. And certainly, we felt that way last year. You know, we were uh, picked, I think, seventh or eighth in the league in the preseason poll. Um, I think we were picked fifth or sixth this year. And so, you know, that's just kind of what we're accustomed to. We're, we're a program that that um, you know. We don't talk much. We're not a we're not a big hype outfit. Um, you know, we try to. You know, one of the things we talk about all the time is trying to be, you know, all steak and no sizzle, and just make sure that we're, you know, we kind of keep a low profile and don't don't make a lot of big promises. We just go out and play tough football every week, and and uh, and our guys like that mentality. And so I think I think that does take a little bit of pressure off of us in, in some ways uh, that. You know, again, it's, it's a program that, for whatever reason, through the years hasn't been taken that seriously. Sonny, your quarterback's going to be Chandler Morris, a guy we saw briefly last year in the first game against Colorado before he was injured. Of course, he's the son of a coach, Chad Morris, used to be at Lake Travis and SMU. Talk about his progression, and I know you've got high hopes for this outstanding young man. Yeah, I do. I do. I think we all uh, expect great things from Chandler. You know, it's it's funny. Last year, uh, you know, when we we got here, we went through spring football, and and he had a good spring, and then really, you know, had an excellent summer, and, and felt like you know we had a competition between he and Max Duggan, and felt like over the summer he just kind of pulled away in the competition and during fall camp, and and the great thing was, you know, we, we named Chandler the starter about the third week of of uh, camp, and you know Max came in and talked to Max, and and you know Max said, look, I love TCU, I'm going to stick it out here, and. You know, thankfully he did. Chandler got hurt in the the second quarter of the Colorado game, and and Max, you know, came in and picked up where uh, where he left off, and and you know had a had a fantastic season. Obviously, you know, was the Big Twelve Player of the Year, and and finished second in the Heisman Trophy, and you know just had a great a great year. And I think it's just a real credit to to Max and what kind of kid he is. But the great thing is Chandler had an opportunity to see that, got a chance to to watch Max, you know, go from an unheralded guy to. Like I said, really losing the Heisman Trophy by not that much, and you got to see him grow, and he got to see, you know, his profile change, and you just got to see all the things that a quarterback goes through, uh, you know, through the course of the season. And you know, when we went four and zero, and then all of a sudden we're six and zero, eight and zero, and ended up going twelve and zero, and having a chance to play in the Big Twelve Championship game. And so all that was was great experience for Chandler. He got a chance to get in some games and play, and when he did, he played well, and and um, you know, and got a lot of extra time in bowl practice for the Fiesta Bowl and certainly going into the national championship game as well. So he's he's a guy that didn't play much football for us last year, but he got a lot of reps, had a really good spring. You know, we changed offensive coordinators. Kendall Browse came over from Arkansas, and, and you know, his system really fits Chandler well. Um, you know, Chandler's a really good mid-range 
uh, passer, gets the ball out quick, is very accurate, um, you know, throws well on the run. And so we felt like that that, that system that, that uh, Kendall's run really fit his skills. And so he's had an outstanding camp so far. You know, the great thing is we have the backup quarterback that's a young guy named Josh Hoover that a lot of people don't know about that's, uh, that's really practicing well and pushing Chandler every day. So we got a good uh, good battle going on for quarterback, but, but Chandler's been a – been a heck of a, uh, of a player for us so far. Hey, Sonny, you've always been known as a, a the the transfer portal porter whisperer. You can get guys left and right. I see a lot of guys on your depth chart that are transfer uh, portal players. How has that worked uh, in the offseason, Getting these guys acclimated to your uh, to your systems and really kind of learning from these guys that one year ago were playing in the national championship. Yeah, we do. We've got a lot, a lot of new players, particularly on offense. Um, you know, when you look at us, we've got, um, you know, we lost, obviously, uh, Quentin Johnson, who was the first-round pick last year. You know, Darius Davis, who was also drafted, and, and Tay Barber, three really experienced wide receivers, guys that played a lot of football. So we had to go out and replace those guys. You know, fortunately, we have uh, Savion Williams is still here, and he's a heck of a player. Uh, and it's a guy that we expect to have an outstanding year. But, you know, we went out and added a guy like, uh, you know, Jack Bash from LSU uh, has come in. He's, he's uh, kind of a hybrid tight end inside receiver. That was really productive at LSU as a freshman. Uh, John Paul Richardson that played at Oklahoma State as a slot. It's been a, a really, really good player for us so far. Uh, we a guy that we're excited about. Got him Warren Thompson came from Arkansas. We just got a, uh, a Dalen Wright who's a wide receiver from uh, you know Minnesota that just transferred in. Jalen Robinson came to us from Ole Miss. So we have a really uh, a talented receiver core, a bunch, a bunch of different guys that can do a lot of different things, have a lot of speed. We have some young guys that have started to grow up as well. So, you know, we think even though we lost a first-round draft pick and a, and a really productive player, um, you know, like Tay Barber and Darius Davis, so we have a chance to be better in our wide receiver room. We just got more depth. We have more size. We have a lot of guys that can do different things. And so we're real excited about the, the options that's going to give our offense. You know, we returned Jared Wiley. Uh, that really played uh, played excellent for us as tied in last year. So, you know, we're excited about this offense um, and, and what it can be. And we have a lot of guys that are capable of making big plays and some guys that are really explosive when they get their hands on the ball. Coach, we live in a day and age that social media kind of drives the culture and, and viral is the new thing. And one of your players has gone viral past couple weeks, Brian Brooks. They call him Big Bubba. Can you tell us a little about about him? He has become an internet sensation. Yeah, yeah. Brian's a big, a big kid from uh, from right here in South Oak Cliff High School. Um, you know, he's one of those kids. Kind of the same thing happened to him about this time last year. Really, he went to some summer camps, and you know, people saw him perform at some summer camps. And you know, he's a he's a big guy. He's probably six four and a half, maybe six five, and you know, well over four hundred pounds. And and he's. Um, He's a guy that moved incredibly well. You know, we, we uh, had a chance to, I had a chance one day to, to go over to, to South Oak Cliff and watch him play basketball in the gym uh, one day when he was kind of messing around uh, prior to a football practice and got a chance to see him move and was really impressed with his ability to, uh, to, to move around. And, and, you know, he's a great athlete. And, you know, he's a big guy. His, his weight's been, uh, you know, probably up there close to 500 pounds. Hey. He's, he's Getting it down now, and probably kid. in the mid mid four fifties, and he's a kid that we think uh, can, if he continues to work hard and develop, um, you know, can play right around probably that four hundred pound range. And and he's a tremendous athlete. I mean, he really is. He's got 
he's got quick feet. He's got a great flexibility. Um, and, you know, he's, a, he's a, like I said, a big guy. Is there a threshold for football players? Because, you know, they always say, you know, football is a big man sport. Is there a, a limit to how big you can be as a football player, whether it's weight or height or whatever it be? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I do. I think so. I mean, I, you know, he's one of those guys that, that, in my estimation, you know, you hear those, uh, you hear those numbers, and you go, "Well, he's just too big; he can't play." And, and had I not had a chance to see him do it firsthand, I would have assumed the same thing. But, you know, he's a tremendous athlete, and just his build is such that he's just a big, wide body, and um, and you know, he can carry a lot of weight and and, and do so, you know, comfortably and naturally, and so. Um, you know, I've always felt like sometimes offensive linemen can get too tall because you've got to, you know, you have to still play with leverage. The game is still won and lost up front. It's still about getting your pads underneath somebody else's pads and being able to bend and have flexibility and, and do those things. And so, you know, weight-wise, I don't know what that magic number is. I think everybody's a little bit different. But, you know, offensive line-wise, uh, you know, we've never had a ton of success with guys that were – much over six seven in the past. I got an idea. You take you take this player to Ben Ben's boss's place, Charlie Guerin, the state <laughs> rep, who has railhead barbecue, and just say, "Go after it." Okay, <laughs> that's what you need to do. Contact Charlie Guerin. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, yeah, I, I, Bubba, I think has found his way over to Railhead once or twice. I'm guessing. <laughs> Let me ask you. You open the season September second. It's an eleven o'clock in the morning game against Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. How do you game plan against Colorado that has about 70 new players? Have you looked at Jackson State, what Dion did last year? I know Dion's son is a quarterback. How do you game plan against a new coach in a new program? Yeah, it's just going to be it's it's going to be challenging for sure. Uh, and it's one of those things that, you know, going in and playing a new coach is always challenging because you know, they've obviously got a got a different um, a different scheme on offense and defense and on special teams. So you know, normally you, you look at the, the team that you played before, you'd look at Colorado and our game with those guys last year, and you could get at least an idea of what the personnel is going to look like. Well, now, you know, you really have no idea. I think that, you know, there's very few of those players that played in that game last year that are going to play in the game this year. And so, as you said, it really starts with looking at the coordinators and, and what they were doing at schools that they were at prior. Um, and then, obviously, you've got to take the key players, which uh, Shadur Sanders would be a will be one of the key players and look at what he did at Jackson State. And then there's some guys that came over with him uh, from Jackson State as well. So, you know, it's going to be challenging. We've already had uh, some people working on it over the summer, as you can imagine, in terms of not only looking at scheme, but trying to to get an idea of what guys can do and what their skill set is and, and what their strengths and weaknesses are. So that's going to take a, a total team effort for us to prepare, you know, for that game. But I think the most important thing as you go into game one is – is to worry about yourself. You know, make sure that you take care of the football, that you don't have any errors in the kicking game, that you don't give up explosive plays, and uh, you know, you don't have pre-snap penalties, and you play disciplined football. And really, so many times in the first three or four ball games, that's what determines the game. It's really not uh, how well you play; it's really how uh, how you avoid mistakes and making major mistakes. And so, we're going to have to focus on getting ready for Colorado, but I think we're going to have to focus on you know, playing good TCU football more than anything else. What a wild month in college football. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, before that Colorado, 
coming to the Big 12. I talked to Mac Brown this week, and I said, Coach, what do you think Spike and Coach Roll would think about all this? And he said their heads would be spinning. Your thoughts about the new Big 12 with Arizona and Arizona State and Utah coming in next year. I, th- I think it's great for the Big 12 myself. Yeah, I do too, uh, and I really do. I think that, um, you know, look, the, there's been a lot of changes in college football. Obviously, Texas and, and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, um, you know, hurt the league, uh, made it very unstable. And, you know, I think Brett Yormark, we're very fortunate that Brett Yormark is our is our Big 12 commissioner. I think he has, you know, been one step ahead of everybody else in terms of, of his aggressiveness, in terms of understanding uh, the changing landscape of, uh, in media right now and what's going on. Um you know, he's a really shrewd guy. He was very aggressive, went out and added, you know, Houston and Central Florida and BYU and Cincinnati, uh, which I think solidified the league for a little while. And then obviously the opportunity to go out and get the four corner schools, I think, did nothing but, but make the league even stronger. So, you know, we just went from 12 teams to 16 teams. Um, next year is going to be wild. I mean, it's just going to be, you know, I think we had a schedule and now it's back to the, the drawing board to figure out, you know, who's going to play who and, how are we going to organize the league? Are we going to have two divisions? Are we not going to have divisions? You know, how we're going to have pods? Are we not going to have pods? I think all those things are, are being kicked around and decided right now. But fortunately, we have a strong leader. Um, we have somebody that we know is going to, is going to put our, our member institutions in the best possible situation. And, and it's really, really good to have a guy like Brett uh, leading the Big 12. Sonny, thank you for your time. Best of luck this season. Our best to Kate, the family, and all the TCU family. Thank you for being with us, and have a great year. And uh, Great to see you when you're honored at the state capitol. A lot of fun that day. Have a great season, and we will visit with you very, very soon, my friend. Yeah, it's great to catch up with you guys, and enjoy the weekend coming up. Man, it's hot. I hope you guys get out of the sun a little bit. Maybe go get an early tea time and, and get done before it gets too hot. That's the game plan, my friend. That's a game plan. Sonny, <laughs> thanks a million. Sonny. Appreciate it. Bye-bye now. All right, y'all take care. All right, Sonny Dykes, head football coach of the TCU Horn Frogs, a longtime friend of the End Zone Club and 1027 and KLBJ. Of course, our great friendship with his uh, late father, Spike Dykes, and his brother, Rick, sister BB, and the, the entire Dykes family, uh, one of the great Texas coaches. He's on the cover of Texas Football Magazine this year. All right, we're going to take a break. After the break, we'll have more discussions about college football and pro football and much, much more when we return to 1027 ESPN.